so good to be with you all. Listen, my name is Maurice. If I haven't met you yet, I'm one of the teaching pastors here uh, on staff. Uh, also, for everybody that is new or new is to Ascent, I welcome you. Thank you so much for being here. And also for those of you who are watching online, shout out to you as well. Before I get started today, I have a few housekeeping things that I want to go over uh, just briefly to just let you all in on a few things that's happening here at Ascent. Um, one of the things that's happening here, uh, I'm, my official title is teaching pastor, uh, but I wear a couple of hats, okay? Uh, one of them is being uh, this next year, actually, as a part of my job description, I came and sat down with leadership and I asked them and I started to uh, dream and started to have a vision around what would it look like if we took a, a, a true swing, a true effort at the gospel conversation of racial reconciliation. So this next year, my thoughts are going to be around that. My kind of time is going to be devoted to some of that. And upcoming, this uh, upcoming week, we have a vision night that I'm going to be just kind of casting vision around what that looks like of who should we be. One of the questions that we're going to be kind of wrestling through and asking is, uh, who is God calling us to be in this gospel conversation? And what would it look like for a church community to have a posture that is proactive and not just reactive in the gospel conversation of racial reconciliation. If that's something that interests you, if that's something that you're thinking about, if that's something that you're inquiring, it's like, Maurice, I, that sounds good, but I, I want to see what is the stance that the church is taking? Or where, where are you going with this? Well, that's the, what the Vision Night is all about. That, that's where we answer some of those questions. That's where we tackle some of what your uh, questions might be or concerns might even be. Um, and I want to guide us through that in a scriptural way of what God, is God calling us to be in this gospel conversation? I think it's something that's going to be pretty cool. I am dreaming big in this next year to see what that looks like for every single one of us. Not only is it a vision night that I'm casting that we're going to be having as a team, uh, but I'm going to be putting together a team, a racial reconciliation team. So if you're a person who's sitting in here um, and, you know, there's one category, if you're a skeptic, you're kind of like, all right, where's that going, Maurice? We want you to come to that. But we also want you to come to the vision night if you're a person who's saying, Maurice, I'm a little bit further in this conversation. I'm down the road. I want to be a part of this team, and I want to have a commitment in this area. I want to have a commitment in this area. I'm going to say it again, a commitment in this area, not just a casual observer, but I want to get off the sideline because I see this as a formational tool for God, to, for us to become more and more like Jesus. Maurice, I want to do that. Well, I'm also continuing to put together a team of people. So if that interests you, once again, reach out to me or my wife, and we have some things that we're so excited about this year. Is that all right? Okay, all right, all right, just testing the waters here, because we go, look, I'm going to get a little excited this morning, we're going to see where we go. Uh, before I get started, though, before I get started, I have to stop and make mention, uh, my wife was up here last week, and she had made mention about some things that God is doing in her life, which is leading her to officially kind of step off of staff in like an official capacity, um, and just kind of seeing what this next chapter looks like, where is God leading her, right? That takes, uh, that's, you know, ask some few questions that people may, are asking right now, of what, is that, what does that mean? Are you guys leaving? Are you guys still here? Look, we are fine. I'm good where we are. We got a nice, beautiful home in Erie, and I'm just settled. I'm good. We're not going nowhere. That doesn't mean anything. So there's no, well, what's the real reason? All right, amen. Go ahead, clap about it. So you don't have to email us about, well, what's the real reason? And then this happened a couple years ago, so this is happening. So you're trying to connect the dots. Ain't no dots. Ain't no dots. It's just us. Seeing what God has, and she is following God's lead in that. That's exactly what happened of how we got to Colorado. We said, well, let's see where God leaded. Let's trust God and say, let's test those waters. Let's jump out there. And I'm so excited that she gets the chance to do that. Now, 
I can't do that and say all of those things without, give me a second, I'm going to shimmy around here. Production didn't practice this, so they're going to be upset at me, but I'm going to go ahead and move around without telling my wife. I talked to you guys for a moment, but I want to take a moment to talk to you, Mrs. Cox. My buttercup, my boo thing, my partner, my forever, my all that and some. I can't let this moment go by without letting you know that this entire year and a half serving on staff with you in a vocational role has been a blessing to me and it's been inspiring to me to see you train up people and equip people and do all that God has called you to do. And I want to just let you know that your man loves you, got your back, and cannot wait to see how God blows your mind for what's next in your life. And so I've got these flowers for you. Go ahead. And I got a gift card for you, too, because you love TJ Maxx. See a TJ Maxx fan, y'all. If you ever want to bump into Aisha, just go ahead and just find yourself randomly at TJ Maxx. She's just going to be there, shopping every aisle. I love you, babe. As we start our time together, we've been in a series entitled The Fight of Our Lives. This has been this series for the past couple of, ye- uh, past couple of weeks where we have walked through what it looks like to make sure we aren't just in a passive space when it comes to our faith. When we look at the narrative of Scripture and we look at God's call for us, we see that we aren't supposed to be on the sidelines. We see that God calls us to have a posture of fighting. And I believe this morning the things that we're going to tackle together is going to equip and encourage all of us to make sure that when we're walking this walk of faith that we're seeing it in the same way that Paul said when he said, fight the good fight of faith. Before we get started, though, I want to just pause. I want to start our time in prayer. Before we get into the message, I just want to pray and bring God into this moment and ground us of what it means for us to be a community that fights when it comes to our faith, that has that moment of recognizing that if I'm going to experience the promises of God, there's going to be opposition that I have to press past. There's going to be opposition that if I'm going to get to that, to experience God's promise, Sometimes that requires us fighting to hold that. So would you bow your heads with me as we begin our time? God, thank you for this moment. Thank you for not just calling us to the fight, but equipping us for the fight. Thank you for not leaving us in this battle, but God, you are calling us to fight the good fight of faith. Answer that question today. What is that? What is that for me? What is that for every single person in this room? What does that look like? Lord, paint the picture for us this morning so that when we leave here, we leave here with you and also equipped for the battle. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to read a scripture for you found in Genesis 32. It says these words right here, so Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob answered, then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, 
because you have struggled, you have wrestled, you have fought with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then God blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him, and as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. He was limping because of his hip. The place that I want to rest on is the simple words in those scripture that said, and God blessed him there. And God blessed him there. I want to take for a subject this morning, fighting for there. Fighting for there. See, I think all of us are in a place where we sit where we are right here, but some of us look at our lives and say, but I'm not where God has called me. There's a gap between where I know that I I should be, some things that I should be testing God and and trusting him in faith, and yet I'm here. And I believe that when we look at here and there, sometimes there's a gap because there's a fight, because there's opposition between our here and our there. But the Bible says that God blessed him there. One of the questions that I have for us this morning is, what is your there? What is that thing that you're believing, God, for? What is that thing that you, if you ask the question long enough and you sit with it and you say, I'm supposed to be there? It doesn't have to be a a, a physical location, but it can be something that's spiritual. It can be something that you're supposed to be uh, trying and testing God for and and believing God for. What what is your there? What, what, What is that for you? Some of you in this room, you're believing God as it relates to the struggles that your son or your daughter is having. That, that you're, you're, you're believing them to have a faith in God, and they're struggling with that. Maybe they're on a college campus. Maybe, maybe they're somewhere else, and you're trying to figure that out. Of, man, I want them to have a faith in God. Maybe your struggle this morning, or maybe your wrestle that you're fighting with this morning, is you're trying to figure out how you get there, how your relationships get there. How, how do you make a move towards God, and there's opposition always. I remember thinking about my mom, uh, thinking of uh, putting this together, and I was thinking about my mom, and I remember her praying so much for me and my brother. And for me, it was before I even was follow God or anything like that, right? I was running reckless, being a heathen, all sorts of stuff, right? And my mom, I remember just continued to just say things and believe things and just pray and just like, I'm like, whew, if you knew the things that I was doing, mom, I don't know if you would still have trust in this right now. But she was believing God for her sons to have a faith in God. And for some of us in the room, that's us. The way that I want to paint the picture for us when it comes to fighting is I I want to uh, just do a small moment of going back in time. Going back in time, probably circa 1999, uh, 98, 99, whatever that looks like. I was probably about eight years old, right? Sorry if if you feel old, but I was eight years old. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm, I know. I'm going to get there, and God's going to get me as soon as I'm older, and I'm looking at people like, why are you acting, you know, enjoy it while you're young, right? But listen, don't distract me, people. Listen, I remember I was eight years old, and I remember going to my cousin's house in Pasadena, California. I was so excited because we got a chance to go see this WWE fight 
ordered. I didn't get to see it in person, but we, uh, he ordered it on cable, and we got a chance to go see the fight live. My parents, they didn't really understand fighting, so they were like, we're not paying all that money for no wrestling, no fake fighting. Now, but my cousin, he did, and we got a chance to drive to Pasadena, and we got a chance to watch this WWE fight. And I remember this whole storm took America by storm. This whole thing took America by storm with this WWE, this worldwide entertainment of wrestling. And every person, I don't know anybody that I grew up around that did not like wrestling. I'm talking about people like The Undertaker and Kane and Rey Mysterio and Kurt Angle and, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. I remember one time grabbing two Sprites and I just like clasping them and like drinking them, acting like I'm Stone Cold, right? <laughs> I remember the wrestling era that took place when I was around eight years old and how much I loved it. See, some of you in the room, you know Dwayne Johnson. I know The Rock, okay? You know, well, what can I say except you're welcome? I know, can you smell what The Rock is cooking, right? You know, the, you know Dwayne, I know The Rock. There was a whole era before he was Maui, okay? That's my whole point that I'm trying to get at. And what I loved is that in this whole era of fighting and Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair, all these different things, was there was this impression that we had that whatever we liked, whoever we liked, we became. And I remember being in my grandma's room one time with my cousins, and I'm jumping off her dresser trying to take somebody down and acting like I'm going off the top ropes, and I'm getting up there, and the dresser's shaky, and all of these things, because whoever we liked we started to act as if we became. I guess what I'm trying to get at in this moment is that whether you've watched wrestling or not, whether you're a person who grew up on WWE, whether you're a person who started to, to act as if you were the fighter, I believe every single one of us have walked in this room fighting something. Every single one of us, no matter big or tall, black or white, short, whatever that looks like, no matter your geographical location, we all wrestle with something. We are all fighters at the end of the day. Some of you are wondering, Maurice, what are you referring to? What is it that actually you're talking about? I think some of us, we walk in this room and we're fighting that inner critic. It says that we'll never be enough. We wrestle at night sometimes, tossing and turning, trying to figure out what is this thing that's keeping me up because we're fighting what does purpose look like for my life? Who am I called on this earth to be? Some of us were fighting a career choice. What do I do? Where do I go? Should I do that? How do I try to figure this out for my family? And, and you're a person, if you're it, it, sort of like me, you're trying to always, in your head, you're trying to figure out how can I do that, and then we can do this and, and try to make this, and so how we can move up this ladder, and we can figure out things, and we can get a little bit more money here, and, then, and you're trying to figure out, and you're wrestling with questions that nobody knows about. Maybe you're a person in this room, and you're fighting to figure out, do I pick up the phone and be the bigger person, or do I just let it be? Do I continue to let days go by and I know that there's something on the inside of me that is saying to reach out to that person and I know it's going to hurt, I know it's going to cause some pain, but there's something that I cannot shake when it comes to this relationship. Some of us were fighting the wounds of our past. Some of us are fighting the loss of loved ones. 
And we're trying to figure out in our world, what does life look like now that that person whom I love is gone? Who am I now? What does that look like? Some of us are empty nesters in the room, and a lot of our identity was shaped around the soccer practices and PTA meetings and going to these places, and now it's you and your spouse, and you're wondering, who are we now? What what is life now? What what do we do now? Some of us, we wrestle and we're fighting. Some of us are in this room, and we're fighting who we are when we look in the mirror. We're fighting because at the end of the day, we feel as if we are the person that said we'd be, that we'd never become. That we ended up being that same thing that said, I would never be like my mama. And you look in the mirror and you recognize that I parent just like my mama. I parent just like my father. We're in a space where we're wrestling and fighting. And today, I believe that we aren't left alone. And the scripture, the story that we have read today is the story that I want to sit us in because I believe that God drops a few truths and a few principles for us to hold on to in this journey called life. This man named Jacob takes us on a journey of what it means to be a fighter. Jacob, if I can just give you a little bit of context of who Jacob is, Jacob is this person, uh, he is a twin, he was born uh, wrestling in his mother's womb. Right? Scripture tells us chapters before that there was a wrestling inside his mother's womb between him and his brother. So all the way from the beginning of his birth, Jacob was fighting. Jacob was fighting, and his name actually means trickster. And one of the things that you see in his life is that he goes about tricking people. And one of the things that he's known for is that he tricked his brother Esau, his twin brother Esau, out of his birthright. And he exchanged a meal for his birthright. And there's this twin scenario, and I'm a twin, and sometimes my brother and I, we would always kind of fascinate, like, oh my goodness, there's twins in the Bible, but then we see, like, there was, like, this, like, battle between them, and so we would try to figure out, like, who's one, which one is which, right? Like, are you the deceptor, I mean, deceiving one, or am I the deceiving one? My, my brother, he, he was always the skinny one. I'm going go on a little tangent here. He, he was always the skinny one, right? And I was always the chunky one, the husky one, the, 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 the big-boned one, all the words that kind of tiptoe around fat, okay? I was that person, right? That was me. That's me right there. I was always that, right? So I just embraced it. That was always me. And he always used to joke around like, oh, yeah, there's twins in the Bible. And he said, you must be Esau because you do anything for a meal. I was like, see, that's why, that's why I beat you up if you're watching this. That's why, that's why we had our fights. That's why we had our fights right there. You, you always crack them jokes and I got to me. See, what I'm trying to get at is that we're all carrying something here. We're all fighters and wrestlers in some sense of the word. I remember as we would grow older and begin to think about what God is doing in our lives, me and my brother, we would get together and we'd say, what are we going to do? What are we going to be in this world? And I remember having some of the biggest fights, trying to figure out and wrestle down purpose, trying to figure out who am I going to be in this world? I guess what I'm trying to get at And what I'm really pressing us into in this morning, as I look at that story of Jacob, one of the things that I want to point out as I detail that narrative is point number one, is that some of us, we didn't pick this fight. See, if you look at the the, the story of Jacob, the fight chose him. He didn't choose the fight. And some of us are in this room that you see Jacob, he's actually in a space, if you read the whole story, he's running from all of the people that he tricked. 
And they're chasing after him, his brother Esau and this other man named Laban. And he's actually been deceptive towards people. And now people are starting to chase after him. And they want blood. They are after him for death. And Jacob is all alone, the scripture says. And he is in this moment by himself running away from his problems. And although the fight didn't pick us, we have a responsibility to fight the fight. We have a responsibility to face our problems. Because whatever it is that we don't confront, we will never conquer. And I believe that although, although the fight didn't, we didn't choose the fight and the fight chose us, God is calling us to make sure that we take responsibility to make sure that that same thing does not end up in the next generation. See, if you don't fight that thing today, if you, if you don't turn around and conquer that thing, confront that thing that you're holding on to, it only ends up being in the next hands of the generation. See, if you look at the life of Jacob, his grandfather, Abraham, he was known to be deceiving and in some ways lying when it came to his wife, Sarah. I know I'm talking a whole bunch of scripture and a whole bunch of Bible stories right now, but I want to just paint the picture that it happened in his grandfather's life. And then it happened in the womb. He didn't ask to be here, but yet he's in this womb and now he's fighting his brother Esau. And so all along was a fight. I don't know if you chose this fight or not this morning, but I believe we have the responsibility to turn around and confront the things that we may be running from. It's our job to steward the fight. What I love about this story is that there's Jacob and he's wrestling with, the scripture says, a man. And what you will see from theologians is that you'll recognize that this is what they would say, there's a God presence here, that God is wrestling with Jacob. And one of the things that you see in this story is that it seems as if Jacob is winning. What kind of story, what kind of God has a moment where he's wrestling with a finite person, a man, and he can't win that battle? I would beg to say that in this moment, you see God wrestling with Jacob's will wrestling with Jacob's agenda, wrestling with Jacob's purpose. He's wrestling in this moment, and there's a moment where he has to touch him at the hip, and Jacob starts walking around with the limp. Who in this room is sitting in a place where you're recognizing that there is a Jacob and an Israel lying inside of you? God comes to this moment, and he says, your name is Jacob, but from here on out, you shall be called Israel. And I want to let you know this morning that I know you keep trying to sit with your Jacob, but there is an Israel deep down inside of you. I know you get caught up on your Jacob, but there is an Israel on the inside of you. Maurice, what are you talking about? Jacob is that side of us that we know we keep falling short. It's that inner critic knowing that we feel as if we aren't where we're supposed to be. We're not enough, all of the things, and we're so caught up in who we aren't. And yet, God keeps speaking to the Israel inside of you. And you're so caught up about your Jacob that God is saying, I got a whole Israel, and I need you to get out of your thinking of Jacob and start thinking about your Israel. There is something inside of every single one of us, and we wrestle with this moment of who we are. And God is saying, because of my presence in your life, there is an Israel down on the deep inside of you. What has covered up your Israel? 
What, what has buried your Israel so deep that you're not even in touch with it anymore? That side of you that recognizes there's purpose, that side of you that gives you fight, that side of you that wakes up in the morning and says that I do need to try some things for God, I do need to go after seeing that God has more for me. What is the thing that has buried your Israel? So much so that God has to fight with you. In this story, we see that Jacob is fighting God. What in the world is that about? Fighting God? I was thinking about this, and I started to think about a story when my grandma, I always tell stories about my grandma, right? And she had these, like, story, these little cliches, and she said, you know, Maurice, you can do all these things. And I kept kind of, like, bucking up against all that she was saying. It's just kind of like, no, and I was a rebel when I was growing up, right? And whatever was happening, I forget the story exactly. All I remember is her quote. She would always say, and it's like an old-time quote that people would say back in the day. And she said, Maurice, you can keep trying to push against this. You can keep trying to fight, but your arms are too short to box with God. I'd be like, yeah, whatever, Grandma, I don't know what you're talking about. Arms are too short. I'm, look, I'm good. What are you talking about? I'm six foot. And so she would say these things, and I'm like, I don't know, like, whatever, sure. I don't know if that was, like, to end the conversation or what. Or, and then I got a little bit older, and I started to realize that the moments that we find ourselves fighting, fighting purpose, moments that we're wrestling, moments that we get to our lives recognizing that's God in your life. And I think sometimes we mislabel the things that we're fighting. And the way that you label a thing tells me how you see a thing. And the way that we label sometimes, I think that we sit back and we say, you know, I'm just being attacked from every angle. And I just don't know what I'm going to do. And it's the person and you're just seeing the person and you're not really seeing that this struggle is actually shaping you. What would it look like if we started to name the things that we're facing and put a different label on it. I'm not telling you to go into some, you know, some, I know some churches, they try to, you know, name it and claim it, try to, you know, tell it something that it's not. And I'm going to look at my car and it's a uh, Honda, but I'm going to call it a Mercedes. I'm like, I'm not, no, 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 I'm not talking about that. Uh, what I'm talking about is recognizing, yes, this thing that I'm having and I'm wrestling with in this moment is tough. But the perspective that God gives me is that this is a fight. And when you talk to someone and you say, you know, how's your day going? How's, how's things going in your life? And, you, and they tell you, you know, oh, man, I'm just, you know, this is just, things are just sucks. I'm just being attacked and I don't know what I'm going to do. It's a little bit more of just a, a victim mentality, right? And then you talk to another person and you just sit back and you're just like, hey, how's things going? What are things like in your life? And you're just like, man, I tell you what, I, I'm, I'm fighting. I'm down to my knees, but I, I'm, I'm not going out without a fight. I know there's some things that are struggling in my life, and this has happened, and this is going on, and I'm going to be honest with those things, and I'm going to sometimes have moments of sorrow and lamenting those things, but here's my posture towards it. I'm fighting. Is your posture towards the thing that you're struggling with a fight, or are you more passive in your faith? Because I believe that God is calling us to push past some of the things that we're dealing with, not, not push past the things that we're dealing with, but push past some of the passivity that we may be facing and saying, I've equipped you. I've equipped you to put on the whole armor of God. I've equipped you for the battle. And the prayers that we pray are sometimes, God, you do it. And he looking down at us like, I done already gave you the equipment to do it yourself. How are we doing that. One of the things that I see is that we didn't pick the battle, the things that we need to speak to that Israel that's inside of us. But I also recognize that sometimes we got to get to a place we have a desperate faith 
All right, so what are you talking about? You mean a desperate faith, a desperate faith. I remember having a moment in my own life, um, not recently, this was years ago, early on in my faith, and it kind of wrecked my faith, right? Where I started to really question some things around God, and I won't give the whole full details about everything, but, but pretty much, long story short, I, I had this moment where my sister had a baby, and in this moment, it was a, I forget the words, the, the chromosomes, extra chromosomes. They only gave the baby a certain amount of time to live. And then I'm sitting here, and I'm like, the brother is supposed to be this pastor, and I'm 22 years old, and I'm trying to figure the life out. I'm like, I don't know what to do in this moment because they only gave this baby a few months to live, and she lived even past the months that she said that they were, she was going to live. And then I get the call that she passed away. And then I get the call that my sister wants me to do the funeral. And I sit in this moment, and I'm like, what do I tell a mother in this moment? What do I tell my sister? What do I tell a group of people that are coming to this funeral and they need hope? There's a whole lot of journey that I went on in that, and it wrecked me of trying to figure out and really dig deep and wrestle to see what in the world is God calling me to say? What, what should I say? Is, is there anything to say? Like, why is this happening? And I went down the list of whys and why and why, all about these whys, and I didn't know what to do. And I got to a moment because I felt that, this, that my sister was really leaning on me, and I felt that my family was really leaning on me in this moment, and I thought that there was a moment where it was too much, and I thought that there was a moment where it was too much pressure. And at some point in this journey, through all my crying and wrestling and sitting by myself and trying to figure it out and asking the questions and leaning on mentors, I felt that responsibility, and I felt my family's faith really leaning on me in this moment. And through all of the fighting that I had with God and doubting and even trying to figure out what am I going to say and do I say anything at all, do I tell her I'm not going to speak, I got to this place and this resolve down inside of me that I'm going to fight. That, that if there's anything that's going to take place in this moment, I'm going to fight the things that I'm facing, that inner critic, that I'm not enough, that battle that I'm having mentally. What is that going to look like? I can keep letting the attack happen to me or I can make up in my mind that I'm going to fight. Jacob says the words that I am not going to let go until you bless me. Jacob, this trickster. Jacob, who is fighting God in this moment. Jacob, who is running from all his problems. Jacob, who is the deceiving one. He can't deceive his way out of this one. He can't trick his way out of this one. And he is in a fight, and he's recognizing that this is the person I need to be fighting with. Why would you be in a fight, you're winning, the person says, okay, I give up, let go, and you say no? You are either insane or you recognize that this is God and you recognize that this is the place for you to get something. And he comes to this moment of recognizing that I'm not going to let go unless you bless me, and he holds on to God. I think sometimes through the storms that we face, we don't hold on long enough. I think sometimes we get to a point in a fight where we throw up our hands, but I wonder that if we get to a point in the fight, you ever see the fighter sometimes and you recognize that they're kind of going out, but they want to stay in the fight and they start holding, right? They start grappling the person, 
where it's like, oh, he's tired, so he's, you know, he's not even punching back. He's just letting the dude come in, and he's just hugging him, or she's letting the person come in, and she's just hugging him. I think sometimes in our fights, we just throw up our hands, we throw in the white towel, but what would it look like for us to just hold on? But my grandmother used to say, sometimes you just got to hold on to God's unchanging hand, baby. And what would it look like for us to hold on? I know that it's a fight for us this morning. I know that what it looks like in your situation, that the bills, the children, the rhythms of life, you see this cycle that you don't want to repeat more and more in your own life. I think for us this morning, what would it look like for us to take a principle from Jacob of holding on? Saying that, God, I'm not letting go until you bless me. I'm going to keep moving forward. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know if that's church. I don't know if that's your rhythm of church. I don't know if that's your rhythm of prayer or your devotion or your time with God or doing some things where you push past your comfort zone and your fasting life and your praying life. I know there's some things where you can do a little bit more trying to figure out how do I experience more of God's goodness. He's already given us everything. Trust me, I understand. I know that there's a place where we just abide with God, but I do believe there's a place where we have to start fighting to experience those things. And I put those things in your lap this morning, and I'm asking a whole lot of questions this morning because I want you to wrestle with those things. I want you to wrestle with what is God calling me to be. What does my desperate faith look like? Where I get to a point where I won't let go. What's beautiful about this story and about the story that I told a little bit earlier is that when I told you about the fighting that I used to watch, the WWE, some of you used to watch it as well, there'd be this moment every single time, not every single time, but the good moments during a fight is that when the person that you're rooting for is getting beat up, I mean, and they're getting smacked down. I mean, they're doing, they're trying, and you see that, oh my goodness, you know, they got to two taps, they got to get to three taps, but, you know, they're at two and a half, and, and they're almost there, and your person is going down. And then you hear the theme music of another fighter. Oh, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You hear the theme music of another fighter, and it rings the bell recognizing that another person is about to come out. And so you, there'll be a fight between two people, and then there would be this moment where the, the, the music starts to happen, this theme music starts to happen, and one of the ones that I really liked was The Undertaker, and it was like this grandfather clock, or it was like, boom! And it was like, oh my gosh, Undertaker's coming out. And Undertaker, if you know Undertaker, he's like this grungy, like mix between like, like emo and rock metal. And like, I don't know if you can put those together, but he was just this grungy dude. And he just kind of walked everywhere with this mean look, right? And so he just mean look and you just heard it, right? And it's like, oh my gosh, the person I was rooting for is getting beat up. But here comes his partner. And his partner comes down, and he's jogging into the ring, and then he's going, and he's fighting, and he's beating him up. And then your partner gets up, and now they just beat the dude down. And so now they're in the ring, and now they won the fight, and they're holding each other's hands. Can I let you know that as we end our time together, I don't ever want to make sure that we bring up the conversation of fighting without bringing up the conversation of the one who fought for us. I don't ever want to bring up the the conversation of battle and warfare that we have to fight without bringing up the fight that was fought a long time ago. I don't ever want to be in a space where it feels as if this is a daunting message without bringing up the message of hope 
recognizing that there was somebody that in the middle of our fight, that in the midst of our warfare with sin, in the midst of our warfare of shortcoming and trying to be better and fighting and grasping and striving and ambition of this world and trying to figure things out and the addiction that we're struggling with and the things that we're trying to overcome, all of the things that we are fighting in this moment, I cannot let you know that without letting you know over 2,000 years ago, Jesus steps out of heaven as he sees you getting punched out beaten down by the woes of life and runs down to the arena of life and dies a death that nobody could die, lives a life that nobody could live, and raises himself from the dead. Jesus came down to this earth, fought the fault, defeated sin, hell, death, and the grave to let us know you got me on your side. So in the moment, I almost actually titled this message, The Fight With God, a little bit of like a double meaning, the fight with God where he's fighting with God, but also recognizing that the fight with God is really a fight with God, alongside God, that in the ring of your life right now, Jesus is right next to you, that don't discount the person in the back. It may look like you are down and out and down for the count, but there is a person who has already come. And he has fought the fight for us. And now it is our duty to steward that that, that goodness, steward that responsibility, steward that, that, that moment of resurrection power, seeing that the same resurrecting power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. This morning, Ascent, I have one prayer that I want to pray for you. As the band makes the way to the stage, I think, I believe, I should say, that this couple of weeks that we have been talking about battle and fighting and all of the different things, the fight has been won. But it is on us to steward this moment so that we can experience God's goodness. What you think you're battling right now, what you think is the greatest thing, what you think is the thing that is going to overtake you, what is so affirming in Jacob's fight is that he fights with God and God is affirming him in the midst of it that you just had a fight with God, and I need you to know that you have enough fight in you to keep going. You're scared of your brother Esau, and you're scared of this person, and you're scared of all the things that you've done. Sure, I get it, but you just fought with God. And if you can face God and have enough resolve to say, I'm not going to let go till you bless me, you can fight anything else in your life. My prayer for every single one of us this morning is that in this moment, this is the culmination of our three weeks of the fight of our lives. As you move from this place, don't move from recognizing and seeing life as a fight and recognizing that God has equipped you for it, that God has already given you his spirit, that God has already given you the full armor of God, knowing that in this moment, we will not let go. I pray for your faith this morning that you will not let go until God blesses you, that you will fight for there. Because the scripture says that God blessed Jacob there. Will you fight for your there? Because your there is worth it. Your there is where your children are. Your there is where your purpose is. Your there is where your questions lie. Your there is on the other side of that disagreement that you're having with your spouse. There is where God blesses. Right here is where I believe he's calling us to fight. Yes, we're blessed in this moment, 
Don't get me wrong, we're blessed always, highly favored, all I get it. But to experience God's promise, I believe we need to fight. And my prayer for you is that your faith would not fail, that your faith would keep going, that your faith would trust in the power of God and not in your own might. And would you pray with me in this moment? God, thank you so much for this moment of fighting, this moment of wrestling, these things that we are carrying this morning, knowing I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what the other side looks like. I don't know what it means to fight, but Lord, give us some help. Give us some language. Give us community that there is something in this fight for every single one of us, that we have your presence, that we have your armor, and that we have your resurrecting power, knowing that you've already defeated the greatest power. And because of that, we can rest in that, knowing that we have you with us in any battle that we face. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Can I mention just one more thing as I was praying? I just, I'm taking up time, but I, I just want to mention to every single one of us, and you're going to hear me say this probably every single time that I get up. Stop trying to do this alone. And, and what I mean by alone is not just when it comes to having God and recognizing that God is with you. Stop trying to do this alone when it comes to community. Stop trying to walk this life alone. You, I wish you would be privy to the conversations that I have with so many different people week in and week out of the, face, the things that they're facing and how hard it is. And yet, I would say nine times out of ten, they'll also articulate and confess that I'm in this by myself, that I'm in this alone, and I feel lonely in this. When it comes to fighting and our posture changing, it is our responsibility to not only steward our presence and our time well with God and all of these things and to fight when it comes to our spiritual fight, but to get amongst others who are going in that direction. To get amongst others so that we aren't in this fight alone. I felt it so deeply as I was praying to make sure that I mentioned that as I'm sending you off this morning, do not fight alone. Do not walk this walk alone. You're carrying that. I know it's heavy. It's hard. You've been telling me about it. You've been talking to other people about it. But I'm telling you now, bring people along with you in this journey. So many times in this thing called life, we feel as if we don't need others we keep so much bottled up and we keep so many things hidden and we keep so many things to ourselves. and all those thoughts that you're carrying, all that wrestling that you're doing, wrestle with someone else because I can guarantee you that there's somebody that wants to walk that road with you. I can guarantee you that it's going to be so much better together. Is that all right? Amen.